Hello, this is Historically Thinking's Commonplace Book for July 10th, 2018. A shot of brisk, tingling mouthwash of the past to clear your mind and strengthen your mental health. On this day in 1553, Lady Jane Grey was proclaimed Queen of England. She was part of an attempt to have a Protestant queen, a monarch, following the death of Edward VI. In fact, Edward, in his will, nominated her as his successor, making his half-sisters Mary and Elizabeth illegitimate. But support for the elder Mary grew rapidly. Jane was abandoned by her privy councillors, who proclaimed Mary queen. She was imprisoned and executed on February 12, 1554, remembered ever after in English history as the Nine Days Queen. And six years later, on the same date, in 1559, the French King Henri II died in a tournament accident. He enjoyed jousting, as any noble monarch of the age did, and while doing so, one day the splinters from a broken lance entered his visor, pierced his brain, and killed him. He left behind a kingdom of France in the midst of immense social and religious turmoil. Very possibly the civil wars that followed his death would have occurred anyway, but his sudden death was no help towards avoiding them. For the next 35 years, a series of wars in France killed more people than any previous conflict or later conflict uh, other than the Thirty Years' War. On July 10, 1925, the monkey trial began in Dayton, Tennessee. The prosecution of John Howard Scopes, the local high school's biology teacher, for violating the state law against the teaching of evolution. He was defended by Clarence Darrow, the celebrity defense lawyer of his age. The prosecution was advised by William Jennings Bryan, three-time Democratic candidate for president, a former Secretary of State. In 1940, the Battle of Britain began on this day, with the Luftwaffe beginning its air campaign against England. Perhaps the first battle in history fought entirely between air forces, it ended a few months later with a British victory. On July 10, 1962, Telstar, the world's first communication satellite, was launched into space. The satellite was a project of the United States, the United Kingdom, and France, and it transmitted live television images across the oceans, something impossible to do before then. Microwave transmitters only could work over land. Telstar was about 34 inches in diameter, was roughly spherical, covered with solar cells, and it weighed only 170 pounds. Since it was in low Earth orbit, not geosynchronous orbit like modern communication satellites, Telstar could only transmit uh, television shows for about 20 minutes during each two-and-a-half-hour journey around the globe. Yet, it immediately began to change the facts of daily life. In its very first broadcast, jointly delivered by CBS in New York and the BBC, President John F. Kennedy rejected the idea of softening the price of the U.S. dollar. And for the first time, a currency immediately began to strengthen on the world markets, something we take for granted today, something impossible to have happened before Telstar. Births and deaths. Today is the birthday of a trio of unusual personalities. 1509, John Calvin was born, French theologian, pastor, reformed theologian. In 1856, Nikola Tesla, Serbian-American physicist, engineer, inventor of alternating current, of many inventions, both real and imaginary. 
And finally, in 1871, Marcel Proust, the French writer who dipped a small cake of Madeleine into tea and saw his past. Today marks the death not only of Henri II, but three other monarchs. Emperor Taizong, the second emperor of the Tang dynasty in 649 AD. In 138, the death of Hadrian, emperor of Rome, the eponymous builder of the wall that stretches across the north of England. And in 1584, William the Silent, Prince of Orange, leader of a revolt against the Spanish monarchy in the Low Countries, was assassinated by someone seeking to please Philip II of Spain. And he was probably the second head of state to be assassinated by a firearm, the first by a handgun. William the Silent, Prince of Orange, known to Dutch to this day as Father of the Fatherland. Here's a short reading from historian Edward Larson on the context of the Scopes trial. Evolutionary theory did not suddenly appear in American high school education at the time of the anti-evolution crusade. It had been incorporated into leading textbooks during the late 19th century, but with a theistic or Lamarckian twist that reflected prevailing scientific opinion. Asa Gray's popular text, for example, explained how evolutionary relationships showed that biological species are all part of our one system, realizations in nature, as we may affirm, of the conception of one mind. Textbooks typically became more Darwinian in the next century, especially after the newly organized field of biology began to replace separate courses on botany and zoology in the high school curriculum. One representative biology text featured a picture of Darwin and a subchapter titled The Struggle for Existence and Its Effects. Another hailed Darwin for discovering the laws of life, including the concept of organic evolution through natural selection. Hunter's Civic Biology, the best-selling text in the field, credited Darwin for the proofs of the theory on which we today base the progress of the world. This view of progress was decidedly anthropocentric and heavily laced with the scientific racism of the day. According to Hunter, simple forms of life on the earth slowly and gradually gave rise to those more complex. Humans appeared as a progressive result of this evolutionary process, with the Caucasian race being, finally, the highest type of all. Overall, Darwinism did not feature prominently in Hunter's books or in other early 20th century biology texts that stressed practical problems, but the concept of organic evolution pervaded the whole of them. Darwinian concepts in public secondary education touched more families and more fundamentalists as the new century unfolded. Relatively few American teenagers attended high school during the 19th century, and nearly none did so in the rural South, where such schools rarely existed and local authorities did not compel student attendance. The situation changed dramatically after the turn of the century. The number of pupils enrolled in American high schools leapt from about 200,000 in 1890, when the federal government began collecting these figures, to nearly 2 million in 1920. Tennessee followed this national trend, with its high school population rising from less than 10,000 in 1910 to more than 50,000 at the time of the Scopes trial in 1925. This increase resulted in part from tougher, progressive-era school attendance laws that forced more teenagers to go to school, and followed also from greater access to secondary education as the number of high schools increased dramatically, 
during the early part of the century. These new schools inevitably included Darwinian concepts in their biological classes in line with modern developments in American scientific thought. That's from Summer for the Gods, written by Edward Larson, published by Basic Books in 1997. And that's the Commonplace book for July 10th, 2018. If you like what you've heard, please rate us on Apple iTunes so that other people can find us. I'm Al Zambone, right in the corner where you are.